episode of the next episode or this ep- this episode of that next episode <laughs> Jesus Christ I'll get that right one day and you'll get those transitions uh, on the one main show we're gonna, we're gonna get them all smoothed out yes uh, today we are talking Mandalorian season 2 episode number was it 15 yep the believer uh, yeah. yeah this was a how, how would you say this was like a I don't want to say a pullback but like it was like an episode between an episode kind of a thing. It was like a, I would consider it, it was like, like slow death quest esque episode. Like you right. gotta do something to be able to get to the main thing. So I mean, it's a penultimate episode for the season. Next week's will be the season finale. Mm-hmm. Um, but it definitely was like I, instead of the traditional, well, what we've seen in recent years where the penultimate episode like throws all the shit at the fan, and then the finale kind of cleans up. It looks like they kind of flipped the switch. Where now this one was, well, in my opinion, a really great episode. It definitely is just like it was the thing that had to happen so that we can get to the season finale. So very exciting. Uh, basically, in this episode, um, they got to get the coordinates of Moff Gideon so that they can go rescue Grogu. Grogu. Got to risk, got to track him down. How'd you feel about not seeing Grogu at all? You know what? Um, I'm okay with it. I think the fact that he's in captivity and uh, he's did you being, miss him a little bit? You know, you know, I this episode I didn't. This one, this episode was pretty much nonstop go 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 in my opinion. So I was very much like captivated with what they were doing and this whole idea of you know examining what's left of the empire, how organized are they, you know what what's the fear, things like that. So I didn't really miss him, and I know that we're gonna get a lot more of him. So right, cool thing about this, you know, this was a episode more focused on Bill Burr's character. Very much so. And uh, very unique, and this is a lot more spoilers going forward. So watch the episode we'll start come back, breaking this bad boy down. Yeah, yeah. So it's kind of like they kind of get the band back together a little bit again. Now we've got an awesome team. This ground, like this, is probably. Uh, would you say this is the best team up they've had so far? I mean, I th- I think so. I think that what's interesting is in season one. We saw a team being built of which I which uh, nobody nobody saw this season coming, obviously, but, um, you know, of quote unquote good guys. You know what I mean? Like you had him, then you had Cara Dune come in and she's an ex shock trooper. And then they pick up uh, they pick up an IG unit that's been retrained to be good. And then there's the little freaking the little guy on that, you know, the freaking I've spoken guy. I forgot his name, but he definitely Mm -hmm. was cool. Nick Nolte, we'll call him. Um so it's like a quote unquote good guys. And this one you're seeing who oh, I wouldn't say are a team up of necessarily bad guys, but a team up of like more neutral parties in the sense of like Cara Dune makes appearances. Anti, yeah, anti-hero kind of. Th- you get Boba Fett who's like a bounty hunter. He's not necessarily a good guy or a bad guy. He does good things sometimes. He does bad things sometimes. Uh, Fennec who's an assassin probably has killed some Imperial people and some non-Imperial people. And then now you obviously because the in, in order to get these coordinates, we find out they need an Imperial Somebody ex Imperial, and the only person Mandalorian you can think of is Bill Burr's character, or Bill Burr's character Mayfield. So they go and break him out, and so now you've got this team up of like an ex Imperial sharpshooter who's kind of a dick, but also you get to learn a lot more about him. You've got one of the deadliest bounty hunters, a deadly assassin, and then Cara Dune's still hanging around because she's a marshal. So it's it's a really cool mix of like characters. Yeah, and I think too, 
what I love about Bill Burr in this in this episode and in, in the Mandalorian altogether is like a, you just don't see that aggressive Bill Burr side. Like the jokes he makes in the in the show are still funny, but they're just mm-hmm. like more clean round rounded than like why the fuck you wearing that? Ma-? You know, like the very aggressive yeah. over it's the top, still, which, it's which still I absolutely him, love. It's not over the top. I think that's one thing. And Ali, my, my wife said this. Um, and I completely agree is the fact that I think Bill Burr is, is actually a pretty solid actor. He is. Um, he is. If you see the, the King of Staten Island, I think he crushes in that. And then in that first one, you know, I was under the impression that what the Mandalorian is doing and, and they've proved me wrong multiple times is like you bring in a, a well-known actor or maybe a, maybe a lesser known a character actor. Right. And mm-hmm. you put him into an episode and then you move on past that. And I was like, Oh cool. Bill Burr was in that episode. Good for him. I didn't really ever assume like, Oh, he was important enough that they'll bring him back. But then not only did they bring him back, I think in this episode he gets to show off that he's actually a pretty freaking cool character and he does some pretty sweet stuff. So a win. Definitely a win. Uh so we see Bill Burr that you know, they break him out of jail, they develop a plan. I I do want to say this before we, we get to uh where the wherever they're going. They end up going to a station, uh what a mining station? Yeah, a secret imperial mining station. Yeah. Uh, Boba Fett jumps out the ship though. Yeah, we cleaned got... up the suit. The armor looks good. Yeah, fresh and paint got... job on the suit. Everything's and he's got like the buffed out. The black robe underneath, like this, it looks. Yeah, he's looking fresh. I mean, he's looking like a new Boba Fett. And I, I read some articles over the weekend about you know, like why clean up his armor now? Like why why would he care to do that? Why didn't he ever do that in the past? When we saw an Empire Strikes Back, it had dings and. All this shit knit and basically yes, the conclusion that I sort of came to and then I think and then the articles came to. But I was like, oh, that's kind of what I was thinking was the fact that, you know, when he in Empire Strikes Back, he's a very active bounty hunter. In fact, if you're in the comics and the extended universe, he's very bit. He's not just hunting Han Solo for a job of the hut. Like he's taking on other jobs like we've seen our Mandalorian do. Right. So he was just a working dude. He's trying to make his way through the galaxy. So he's getting beat up. He's getting knocked around. His stuff isn't this super shiny um Beskar like our Mandalorians um so I think it's interesting that you know he got he got beat up but then now his one goal since getting out of the Sarlacc Sarlacc pit has been to get his armor back and once he gets it back then he's like cool I need to I'm gonna treat this right and start fresh so him popping out of the ship all painted up and like the matte green and then all of his colors aren't shiny they're matte like he's such a good contrast to our Mandalorian who's very shiny and polished this more yeah. like matte camouflage colored scary dude um, and so I think they're they're a good combo each other. But nice to see him fresh. Nice to see Slave One. I mean, honestly, if we're being honest, when they're when they're on their trip, I, I was literally sitting on the couch and I said, "Oh, this is so cool to see Slave One." Like we saw it pull in. Now we get to see them ride on it because other than a scene with Jango Fett, I've always been curious what the inside. How does that ship work? Do you strap into seats and then they turn? And as soon as I said that, it cuts to a great scene where you can see them sitting inside, and they're all level while the ship turns around them. And I was like, oh, they're on like a gyro in the middle that just stays flush while the other, the outside of Slave One moves around. And I'm like, that's so freaking cool. Yeah. Are you talking, uh, which, we, which, you're talking about the Boba Fett ship, right? Yeah. Boba's, okay, yeah. Boba, Boba's ship. Cause you walk into it while it's down and then it picks yeah, up. And so they also, it's vertical. And, and they how also the show him, moves. yeah, they show him in the cockpit too, where he's like laying on his back and it moves up. And then so it's kind of does that rotation to where yeah, he can this, fly. I thought that was yeah. such a cool, the, the technical aspects are one of the things I, the technical aspects are what I think the Mandalorian has done a really good job of getting into these really finite details of like 
the tech or how it works or why it works and or just and not necessarily breaking it down but just showing you the inner workings and that's one scene so them on slave one traveling to this mining colony i think was really cool uh boba fett didn't have a lot of action in this one yeah they're but trying to sneak in only bill burr can go nothing and, really uh, bill I mean, burr can go like because he'll in the imperial computers mission, when they right? scan like they him won't, nothing will get set out. off and unfortunately everybody else in the team will be tipped off because of Boba Fett's, you know, history. If he takes off his helmet and then Senex history, she's wanted Cara Dune's new Republic. So it has to be, uh, it has to be our favorite Mandalorian who heads in there with him. And I think that that the covert style made it so everybody got their role, right? You get two snipers up on the Hill, then you get Boba in the ship to pick them up for extraction. So I, I think they're giving him good roles. Um, but we'll get to what he does cool later on, obviously. But the whole the whole idea of this episode moving and like, you know, obviously they have to how are they gonna get in? They gotta trade some uniforms. So the Mandalorian and Bill Burr have to steal some stormtrooper suits, which is cool. Yeah, and you see uh you see Mando come around the corner uh with a giant bag, which is all of his Beskar and his armor. Or his Beskar armor rather. Uh and he's then, like, Take care of this bag, that's my favorite things. Yeah. <laughs> Don't die with this bag. Uh, Make sure that bag's in good shape. But he's wearing a, uh, a new fit, new helmet, and Bill Burr kind of makes some jokes at him, like he's poking at him. He's kind of yeah. trying to get in there, but you know, oh, so he's, what, what? I think that was one of my favorite parts of the episode too. Is then as they're driving in with this explosive material, they're driving to this rebel base. You know, Bill Burr's getting into some good topics. Two really strong ones. The one is the idea of like, what are rules and why do rule like why does it matter? Like you're not clear, and I think that's something that we see on the internet people talk about right yeah, and yeah, so yeah. even bill burr calling out like so can you not take off the helmet or can you not show your face because you've said you can't take the helmet but you've also said that no one can see your face so which is it like you got to be clear on these rules and, and i think that was a really interesting way to like draw attention to the fact that maybe the mandalorians din darjin or whatever i can never say it he uh his you know his system is a little bit off like it doesn't really make sense there are some cracks and the other really excellent thing I think which helps Bill Burr character develop in this a lot is that conversation while they're driving where he basically says, you know, nobody really has a choice. Like in the wars, the empire's gone, the Republic planets like Alderaan or Alderaan's gone. Like, do you think anybody ever really had a choice? Do you think all the Mandalorians that died in the Mandalorian Wars had a choice? And I think what he's alluding to there obviously is the fact that like, yeah, I was with the empire, but what the hell else was I supposed to do? Like right. I didn't have an option. I, I had to join the empire. They came to my planet and that's how I survived. You know and what? That's that, not who I am. It's just what I did. Right. Uh, you know, the way I look at this episode, too, and especially with uh, Mando and Bill Burr's character, is it's almost Tenet-like. Right? Like, right. You have one guy going forward as far as his rules are concerned, what he'll do to how far he'll go to break them to get what he wants or he needs. Absolutely. Where, whereas this other guy is going kind of back through his system and he's already done all that. Right. So you get this conversation piece between them. Like how, like, which is it? How, like, it seems like you break them when you, you feel the need to, but then we get this, it, it's a small conversation that is so important to the outcome of the uh, the final kind of part of the mission. Absolutely. Absolutely. So we see them get in there. Everything's cool. They kind of save the day. So there's a little bit of attention yeah, on them. Fight off pirates in their thing, which had some cool scenes of yeah, them yeah. basically having to just fight them. I think my favorite part of the whole like 
tr- ch- the valley chase scene when the pirates are jumping on trying to blow up with thermal detonators. I think my favorite part is the fact that he tries to block with his arm. Yeah. And that dude just shatters his gauntlet and like hurts his arm. And it was this funny thing where I'm like, yeah, if you're wearing Beskar all the time, you can block lightsabers. But if you're wearing shitty stormtrooper gear, like you can't just block with your arm. You're going to get your freaking arm broken. So I thought that was a cool touch. Yeah. Like he, he kind of forgot for that in that moment. Yeah. Yeah. They make it into the, the, the base and then, you know, they're trying to be covert and steal a thing. And that's where I think what we talked about earlier, Brad, is dead on. Like what you said with conversation pieces, you know, they get in they're heroes. They save the day. They have to get to this terminal to download the coordinates. But Bill Burr can't go in there because his old commanding officer is sitting in there and he's like, he's going to recognize me. So we got to go. And Mandalorian base says, well, then fuck it. I guess you're right. He doesn't say this to him, but he's but his actions say you're right. When the chips are down on the table, I guess the rules can be broken because that motherfucker pops his helmet off and walks in there so he can get his face scanned and get the coordinates. Yeah, he tries to get scanned first with the helmet on. Right. And yeah, he's just like, like trying to check it. Also, that whole scene, the only problem I have with it is the fact that like they're trying to not be suspicious. And I don't think he could have been any more suspicious. He like walks into the officer's lounge and just stares at the guy that he's hoping yeah. doesn't see him, and then turns slowly, walks over, gets scanned wrong. It and was then like takes the, the helmet off. Yeah, and gets it was scanned like, right. It was like the kid who is obviously stealing something and like looking at oh, yeah. every single camera and like every yeah. single person that it's works like, hey, there. Hey man, just walk in there like you own the place. Put in the damn little thing and get the hell out of there. Yeah, the fact that they're having a conversation in in sight and. And not to mention the attention that was already drawn on them from making it through with the only uh, whatever the explosives and stuff were. But yeah. yeah, like you said, Chris, he gets there. He makes the mistake of trying to get scanned without uh, taking his helmet off. So then he has to take he says, fuck, it takes off his helmet. We see his face. This is, the I think, the second time. Yeah, we seen his face. We saw his face in the finale of. Uh, the first season when he's injured and the IG unit needs to fix him, but there's nobody around, so it didn't really wasn't really breaking the rules or whatever. This time is a full break. Like, yeah, Mayfield sees his face. Obviously, then there's a conversation with the the evil commanding officer who recognize who, who's trying to ask him questions, and Bill Burr saves the day. They end up sitting down for a conversation, so they're really we're really getting some Pedro Pascal FaceTime. Yeah, definitely. And this is actually the third time he's taken his helmet off, but we don't see his face. He took it off. Right, he did take it off in that one where they're protecting yeah. the village, and he puts it on the little window seat to eat. To eat, basically. Yeah. So he can take it off when no one's around. Yeah. So yeah, it, it, it does spark the question of: Is it your face or is it the helmet itself? Um, then there's yeah. something in this next scene, especially that I wanted to break down because I, I I dove into it. Yeah. And a lot of people, if you watched the episode last night, you might not. You might be like, oh, that's a really like Bill Burr's character Mayfield. He's obviously there's some tension that builds and builds and it goes to this climax. But there's some some lore in there that gets lost and that's have never been explained, which is the idea of this thing called Operation Cinder. Operation Cinder is a very specific Imperial uh, operation that happened. So basically, to break it down for you, if you were like, why is Bill Burr so pissed about this? Like, what's he saying about this being... What what are we talking about? Mm -hmm. So basically, it was a contingency plan put in place by Emperor Palpatine that was sort of um, what would be, you know, a lunatic dictator's idea. Um, uh, Or Caesar did it. Uh, It's based on, like, a game in Chinese, whatever, for us. Anyways, the point is, the idea is... I'm the leader. I'm I control everything. I'm the supreme emperor. And so if I die, nobody can win. If I die, both the good guys are going to lose and the bad guys are going to lose. 
So Palpatine's order with Operation Cinder was, if I ever die, this general, this Commander Rax guy who was in charge of the program, positions these satellites all over the boss, galaxy, right? Like or and basically. Commander. Right. Yeah, it's it's basically destroy th- these satellites are going to destroy planets, cities, no matter if there are imperial troops in them, republic troops in them, doesn't matter. If pa- Palpatine dies, everybody dies. Right. Now luckily that operation got disrupted at places so only there were seven or eight major cities that were destroyed by these laser satellites. And that's where the states come from. Bill Burr on I can't remember what uh I can't remember what the name of the city was now, but the one he references was the fact that that city was occupied by Imperial troops, 10,000 or 5,000 or whatever Imperial troops are in there. They're fighting some like small skirmishes, but they had control of that city and the empire sent this laser beam to blow the city away. So basically just Palpatine was said again, if I die, clear the board, everybody dies. And so you see this building and this resentment of the fact of like, and the conversation he had earlier, I didn't want to join the empire. I kind of had to. It was my only option. I go and I right. fight in the trenches. And I'm, in, the, I'm, on, I'm in some of the biggest battles. And then when, because one dude that I never even fucking saw dies, all of everybody I ever knew died. Like everybody I worked with and all this shit. And they did that to a hundred other pl- places and cities. But this main operation center with these satellites, you know, big death, big death tolls. And I think that's where his resentment built to the fact of like, you made this, you made this call to kill all these people for what? For no reason. Fuck you. And yeah. obviously that leads to the climax. Which we just pulls out. He's like, fuck it. In the middle Which of. Which I saw. You see it coming. You're like, they're not walking out of here without a fight. And like, he just says, fuck you. And just pulls out his gun and just blows he shoots that first. dude away. He pulls, yeah, he pulls the Han Solo. Oh, but, absolutely. But he doesn't do it under the table. He does it directly. But I will say that at that moment when it's they're looking at each other and you're like, is he going to do it? Is he going to do it? Right. You're kind of like, nah, uh, he can't do it. He, you know, there's this, that conflict within you. are like, nah, he's not going to. No, oh, yeah. It, and Dan looks over at him. Pedro Pascal looks over at him and just gives him like a little tiny head shake. Like, don't do it, man. Yeah. Yeah. And, and then, then when he does it, what the best part is when he pulls the trigger, blows that guy away, he sort of surprised that he did it. Like, he, the look on his face is like, oh shit. Like, I lost control. And then he just starts shooting everybody in the room. And then they got to fight their way out. And it ends up being a really epic fight. Yeah. And they have to escape through the window to. <laughs> And they're also taking their time, so the, the snipers on on top of the mountain are like, "Yo, what's taking so long?" Da da da. But yeah, so they gotta shoot, start shooting people and destroying the anti aircraft. Yeah. So long story longer, they all get away. Uh, but one of the another climax part to it is Bill Burr kind of does finish the job, if you would say, and blows up the whole mine. Um. So, yeah, I mean, I think they and the funny part is they set that up a long time ago. So in the first episode that he's in the prisoner, you know, it, it comes back that Mayfield's an ex-Imperial sharpshooter. Right. Mm-hmm. And then in that one, he just has two pistols and the two little pistol arms that come up over him. Right. So you don't really see him be a sharpshooter in any way. It's just like, OK, cool. He's, he's good with a blaster or whatever. Right. But then this one, yeah, it's this idea that he's like, not only did he just kill all those dudes, but it's him in his mind being like the Empire screwed me. So screw the Empire. And he's like, give me that freaking rifle. And then from a flying away in the back of slave one, he takes that crazy shot, hits the the thing full of all the explosives, blows this whole base up. Really cool moment. Now I don't think we said this beforehand, but or maybe we did. But at the beginning of this episode, they did kind of pull him out of whatever this prison or whatever he was yeah, doing. Yeah, chop field, basically just yeah. a salvage yard. And he was, you know, hesitant, whatever, blah, blah blah. But we get to the end of this episode. 
and there was really no stakes for him. I think that's maybe why he was so it was so easy for him to just blow shit up and like he's like I'm going back to prison for fifty years. Exactly. What, what, I don't owe them anything. These are bad guys. Yeah, they. I mean, they told him uh, before the like kind of on the mission as they're going to the mission rather. He's like, "What's in it for me?" And they're like, "Nothing." Nothing's in it for you. You Nothing. can sit there and saw stuff, or you can try and go on this little thing with us. You don't yeah. get anything for this. Yeah. So at the end, they get there's like a little. They they let him go or say he died, which in, yeah, another, there's two things that happen. Like get out of here, kid. Two, two things that happen. One is Bill Bird looks at Mando and's like, "I never saw your face." Yeah, it gives him his home. He's like, when they're doing that thing, he's like, "I never saw your face, man. Take it. I never saw your face." Yeah, and then uh, at the end, they're like. Where does so and so go while he's standing right there? And he's like, "What are you guys? What are you talking about? I'm right here." He's like, "Oh, you no, know, he must have died in the in the thing." Wait, are you serious? Because like, guys, I'll run. I will go. I will yeah, leave. I, love, I actually kind of like the idea that they wasn't like this moment where the music starts to build and it's like, "Too bad he died in that explosion." Bill Burr's like laughing as he walks away. I like it more. He was like, "Are you? Can I go? I can go." You're not gonna shoot me. Listen in the to me. Yeah. Are you telling me that I can leave? Because <laughs> I'm gonna leave. And if you don't tell me I can't, I'm gonna go. And I, I feel like that's how a real person might react. They'd be like, "What? Hey." Yeah. <laughs> Wait, what? Uh, is it so? Is it cool if I jet, or are you gonna shoot me in the spine? <laughs> My only problem with that part is that they left them on this planet. Like, wasn't there's like nothing on this planet but that mining thing that he He'll just find blew his up? Way off. But but again, like I mean, we, it's not like we saw a sh- like a bunch of ships come in, except for like what those. Uh, X-wing, Tie Fighters, Tie Fighters. I mean, there's, there's, M, there's ties. There's, he'll, I'm sure he'll find his way off. But if not, it's better. You know, it's they're giving him a fighting chance to spend the rest of his life in prison. Yeah, but I feel um, like they could have dropped him or sent him somewhere. You know, like, what I mean? hey, should we let's let's send him someplace? Not, and I'm like, dude, just get out of here. You'll figure it out. It's like, just do whatever you gotta do. I think one cool thing I, I forgot to mention that I thought was such a nice little touch again, and it circles back to Boba Fett not having too much to do. Mm-hmm. I loved the fact that we got to see. Uh, um, one of the sonic mines go off the oh. concussion mines because yeah. that in was such it, that's such a crucial part of attack of the clones when obi-wan is chasing Django and and they're going through the asteroid field and Django slays one is just hucking out these mines that are going boom and blowing up things and obi-wan's trying to avoid them and like you never obviously you see slave one's guns like the two little ones go which is cool but then in this one the fact that these tie fighters are chasing him straight up and it's all i can think about as i'm watching them climb straight up and the two ties come behind him i was like you gotta drop one of those mines man you got him in there and sure as shit he pushes that button and one falls right between the two and and (laughs) destroys those ties and you're like oh shit that's cool man like they're giving them all the things that we basically want or could ask for i feel like every time i sit there and watch it i'm like they should do this. And it's like, hey, we're going to do this. I'm like, oh, yeah, that's what I said, man. Yeah, like they get it's like they they find the opportunities to plug callbacks or something that uh, we've seen in previous movies or whatever that didn't really get defined of like, well, what does that even do? And they they do the little sure. Easter egg drops and throughout this whole series. That's definitely uh, what's his name? Uh, Dave. Yeah, Dave Filoni. And yeah, it's a Filoni. Just such an encyclopedia. Pedia of stuff. Yeah, I think they should call that a felony move. Like that's straight up a felony like, move. Just give you what you want, baby. Yep. Uh, let's uh, this this one here. Yeah, let's go ahead and drop a felony in there. You know, I mean, it just deserves to have its own little nugget title. Uh, again, no Grogu. <laughs> but then we get a nice warning shot, basically at the very end of. Oh yeah, that's right. I forgot ship about again, and the Mandalorian basically saying, "I'm coming for you, bitch." Yeah. So 
I got to ask you this question because it was asked to me and I didn't really know how to answer it. But he does say you have no idea what you have or something like that. Yeah. But doesn't he because that's what he wants him for? I guess he maybe does. Yeah, I thought that was an interesting line because like I would argue that Moff Gideon probably knows more than the Mandalorian since the Mandalorian didn't even know what a Jedi was. Right. Um, but I guess what he's saying is it's, you know, when he, he finishes on by saying it's so that's more important to me than you'll ever know. So I think it's sort of say like, obviously you have something very powerful in your hands, but it's also, it's very important to me that I get this away from you. So yeah. It was kind of like buckle your seatbelts. Yeah. That's kind of how I kind of took it. I was like, you, you know, you have no idea what you have. Maybe he meant more along the lines of like, you have no idea what you have like coming to you kind of, a, I don't know. Yeah. Cause yeah, I so, mean, it's the, the first time in the first season, we seem like scanning this Grogu. He doesn't even know what it is. He's just like, it's some kind of weird pet creature. And now he's like, oh, you've got a powerful weapon because Ahsoka told me all kind of about <laughs> it. But in fairness, God, Moff Gideon's like, yeah, I'm trying to harvest this thing's blood to probably bring back Palpatine or something. So <laughs> don't tell me what I don't know. I'm trying to find these Metachlorians or whatever. <laughs> yeah, it's like, get out of here. I know so much, guy. You have no, you have no idea. <laughs> I mean, it's going to be an interesting se- season finale. I mean, we are, they're already setting up basically, you know, we had a hint of Thrawn, but maybe we'll get another hint of that at the closeout of the season. But this this last episode, for all intents and purposes, what we can see is just going to be an all-out, like, how do we breach this thing, steal the kid back, and get the hell out of there? So this got an 87% um, on Rotten Tomatoes. Chris, splash trash from half of this episode? Oh, it's, a, it's definitely a splash for me. Yeah, I'm going to give it a splash. I did say this, and I still believe this, that... It's a slower episode coming off the two episodes we just had, so it's it's an important episode to the story, but it does kind of it's almost like the drop before the the slowing down before that last drop of on a roller coaster, I guess is how I would describe sure. it. But I give it a splash. Um, my next question is: Do they successfully get Grogu? at the in this last episode or do you think it, it it has a cliffhanger that doesn't get him back like mando still gotta find find him i feel like they're going to get him back i feel yeah i think they'll get him back now whether or not the mandalorian makes it off is in a lot of speculation right now and things like that so we'll see i think they'll definitely get grogu back well there's definitely um, and there's definitely gonna be a cliffhanger for season three. Yeah, there'll definitely be a, a cliffhanger. I mean, here's the thing. To, to dive even deeper into spoilers, because me and Brad have talked about this last couple times. What's that chick's name? The the gossip chick? Uh, Grace Randolph? Yeah, Grace Randolph. Her big theory about, you know, about her, her big, I should say, rumor that she's pushing is the fact that, you know, Pedro Pascal's been super unhappy about not being able to show his face more, and he had a walk-off, and da-da-da-da-da-da-da. Um, I did a bunch of research on that and dive in there. And like, number one, right out the jump, she was wrong. Her initial thing was like, he left halfway through season two. So they're going to have to find something. That, so the show around the midway point is going to change and it'll be focused on something else. And then that didn't happen. And she came out and was like, well, I know that didn't happen, but I'm still doubles down on Like, I'm still saying that it's going to, something's going to break. And it's like, okay, man, like I, I, I can appreciate that you're doubling down on that. But at the same time, like there's no in- indication that any of that's even accurate. And then this report comes out, not report, but like set photos of that they're filming Boba Fett and uh, they're filming Boba Fett scenes when they would be slated to film Mandalorian, right? But there's no Boba Fett show announced. So why did they film the Mandalorian with just Boba Fett without the Mandalorian? And so like, well, he quit. Pedro Pascal must have quit. And now it's just going to be Boba Fett's show. 
I don't think that's the case. I think that, and the weird part about her, if you really read what she's pushing out there, is that she's giving herself some outs to not be wrong. For example, she says, he'll be leaving at the end of the season now. So whether they kill him off or they do something like freeze him in carbonite, he's not going to be, that's going to take him off the board and it'll ship to Boba Fett. I don't know that that for me sounds like an out in a rumor, because if in this one, Din Darjin goes in and say they all get in there, they save Grogu. But in order to save Grogu, he has to stay behind and gets captured and put into carbonite. And then the season three is about them getting him back. I don't then she'll be like, see, I was right. Pedro Pascal didn't want to be a part of the show. And it's like, well, no, that's just a plot point is that we lost the Mandalorian. Now we have to go get him back. And the fact that Pedro Pascal's t- Twitter is pumping the show and how excited he is for every single episode. And he's calling out his ca- castmates for all the fun stuff. And like, th- there's no inclination this guy's unhappy in any way. Mm-hmm. Or if he had a little bit of like a little like tiffy fit about something like because he apparently misunderstood in his contract that there would be other Mandalorians that would get to take their helmets off. It just it feels like a shady rumor that she's been wrong like three times. Of of the five parts of it, she's been wrong three of them, and she's still like, you just wait. And so it's like, I don't know, until there's a definitive report. I But I do honestly, I, I say all this to push forward the idea that I could honestly see that being the outcome of this season. That in order to save Grogu, he has to stay behind. He gets imprisoned, frozen in carbonite, who knows. And then season three for the first few episodes that they're filming currently are Boba Fett and that team of all the people he's gathered over time. Maybe Cobb Vanth comes back in, forming a little group to go and get him out. You know what I mean? Which yeah. would be dope as hell. Yeah, I think, uh, I mean, there's always rumors about stuff. She's I, She does get a lot of flack for that. And I mean, I'm, I, I don't feel a need to like protect her or like, back or whatever i she's had she's been right a lot of times on a lot she of has things, i think some, it's okay to be wrong sometimes yeah for sure uh i think she just has an a lot of good insider tips or like people tell her stuff she that's how kind of she puts it out but yeah she's been wrong lots of times i, I don't always agree with her I, I find it interesting you know i find it interesting about some of the stuff she says we'll talk about this in the in our main show but obviously the disney Investors meeting was oh, a huge, yeah. huge deal. Um, tons of Star Wars stuff coming out. Like I said, we'll we'll cover that in um, the main show on Wednesday. So tune in for that. But no one really knows. Like it's all speculation, and there could have been like one thing that happened, or someone could have been like, "Oh yeah, it stormed off," and it was more like it was like, "Dude, I gotta take a shit. Leave me alone." Like you know what I mean? It could be yeah, something. Some... Maybe. And like I said, you're right. He maybe it was a little thing where he's like, "Oh, I didn't know that." Like that was going to be the plot line because I really don't want to do this thing. But I just, I don't see this dude being the kind of guy. There's never been a report of him being a prima donna on anything. And all of a sudden now he's mad because he can't take his helmet off. Shut up. They don't always film everything in chronological order anyway. So whether if he, I mean, and he hasn't been on set. So for them to, for that report or whatever that you were talking about to come out and be like, he's not even there. They're filming Boba Fett scenes without Mando. It's like things that will come out, I'm sure. But yes, I, we'll see. I mean, I'm, I'm excited for this finale. I'm excited to see this season wrap up. I mean, I'm sad it's wrapping up already, but I'm excited for, you know, I'm, I'm excited for it in the sense that it's been a good season and I want to see what happens and I want it to keep going. <laughs> yeah, definitely. And we're going to get it. I mean, we're going to get season three next, I think by Christmas next year. But we'll talk more in depth and all of that next uh, on Wednesday with our main show. We're going to be covering... Pretty much everything Disney said. Plus, we'll be talking about the movies 
uh, the Christmas movies that made us, which is goes over classic uh, holiday films, uh, Elf and Nightmare Before Christmas. So definitely check that out. For sure. Um, and I can't wait for the season finale. Do you think it'll be longer than 30 minutes? I think it'll be probably like 52 minutes. Yeah, sounds about right. All right, that's going to do it for this episode of the next episode. Tune in next week and also tune in on Wednesday. I'm your host, Bradley Baxter, with my man, Chris Bucky Watts. We out here, baby. Peace.